0: Hello and welcome to Search for Truth. Thanks for tuning in. Nothing but Christ crucified. And now that's the theme of our studies. We have the third talk today from Bible teacher Brian Johnston. The theme for the series is the Crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, of course. And the title of our study today is God's Deepest Secrets Revealed. So, let's
1: have more now from Brian. Thanks, John. Previously, we've seen how the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, has spoken very candidly about the perceived foolishness of the message of the cross, the message of a crucified Christ. And yet, he's gone to some length to present to us the mind of God, that is, God's thinking on the matter. Not surprisingly, it's radically different from the thoughts of fallen humanity. The revealed truth about God, we've learned, is cross-centred. Provocatively put, the cross may be termed God's foolishness, but even so, it's more powerful than human wisdom. Now, in his second chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul goes on to expand on how there's a divine wisdom surrounding the cross. For those to whom the call of the Christian gospel comes, for those in whom it's effective, the cross of Christ and the Christ of the cross is both God's wisdom and power. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 from verse 6, Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Here's the key, the only key, to unlocking the meaning of the cross of Christ. It is to be possessed of and educated by God's own Spirit. The mysteries of which the Bible speaks, and the cross is one of them, for the message of the cross has just been described as God's wisdom in a mystery. Bible mysteries are not impenetrable mysteries, being the type of conundrum which defies the human mind to solve. Bible mysteries are in fact open secrets. They are in fact easy to accept once the Holy Spirit enlightens us using the biblical text. Having considered, in the previous chapter, how the cross of Christ, this great oxymoron of a crucified Messiah, is total foolishness from the point of view of human wit and intellect, Paul now proceeds to say that his preaching of the cross is God's wisdom, but only among those who are mature. His use of the term mature has stirred some debate, because he's in the middle of writing a corrective letter the Corinthian believers, critiquing them for their worldliness and emotional immature behaviours among themselves. So then, does this singular reference to the mature single out a very few of them who were not like the rest of the believers at Corinth? That, however, is not the contrast Paul is making at this point. Those whom he is contrasting in terms of their conflicting views of the cross are the perishing and the called. The former see belief in the cross as crass stupidity on the part of Christians. They regard those who attend Christian church services as checking their brains in at the door of the building. They consider them to be dead from the neck up as they listen to the sermons there. They lampoon the weak-minded gullibility of the worship of a man who claimed to be God but died in abject shame in the manner the vilest of criminals were then disposed of. An early piece of anti-Christian religious graffiti portrays a figure on a cross with a donkey's head. A man is staring at it and the caption intones, Alexander worships his God. The world spares nothing in its derision of the Christ of the cross. Tragically, it's the laugh of the perishing. En route to a lost eternity, away from all happiness and well-being in the conscious presence of God but no true believer thinks that way about the cross, of course, including all the believers who at that time were in the church of God at Corinth. No matter how displeasing to God some of their behaviours were, they'd each been called to faith in Christ and had realised and fully accepted that he'd been crucified in God's plan to save them. In this specialised sense, as restricted by the immediate context, the term the mature can and does apply to them all at Corinth, all in the Church of God at Corinth, but only in the sense that they would the correct basic grasp of the cross. The rulers of this age, Paul says, just hadn't got it. They'd no clue. If they'd understood what God was about, they would not have involved themselves in Christ's death. Perhaps the rulers of this age is a little more general than we tend to think. Of course, we think of Pontius Pilate and the chief priests of the Jews, together with the Herods of this world, but they were only acting out the kind of thinking which was the general rule then. Paul has already specified the philosophers, the religious traditionalists and the strolling public debaters They were the movers and shakers of that period. They shaped and reflected the values and beliefs of the culture. It's possible that Paul has them again equally in his sights as the rulers of this age, somewhat like the celebrity icons and media moguls of today who champion and epitomise worldly thought. Paul then speaks about those who are spiritual Again, Paul will begin to sharpen up definitions of this word as the letter progresses. And he's compelled later in the letter to deal with an altogether distorted view of spirituality which held sway among some of those in the Church of God at Corinth. But here, in chapter 2, I suggest, spiritual simply serves to differentiate them from those who are referred to as natural, which is all those who don't have the Spirit of God living in them. In other words, all non-believers. Let's come now to consider those words from this section, which we often hear at Christian funerals. Paul says, But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Often we get the impression, at least, that this is a future revelation when we see the Lord. But once again, we need to double-check the context it plainly talks about us knowing the things God has freely given us. And that's now, because God has already given us his Spirit, who now lives in us for this very purpose. What's more, this is a cross-centred revelation of God's truth. What's revealed now to us is something which the natural person cannot accept. But by contrast, we who are spiritual, having God's Spirit residing within us, have been appraised of these things, we've been informed of them. Who can appreciate what God has done at the cross? Precisely those who have God's Spirit living in them to give them this knowledge. We're told that the Spirit searches the deep things which belong to God. It's not that the Spirit has to search in order to inform himself, not at all, because this section, in fact, is one which shows us that the Spirit is fully God. The Spirit searches here the depths of God in order to reveal them to us. It's for our benefit he searches, and the truth about God is fathomed at the cross. The famous astronomer Johannes Kepler, who was the first to formulate the three laws of planetary motion, said that through studying the heavens and deciphering these laws of motion of the celestial bodies, he was thinking God's thoughts after him. In this statement, he paid tribute to the Creator and evidenced a firm and devout belief that the universe we inhabit manifests clear signs of having been designed by God. We too can think God's thoughts after him, so to speak, and not only in terms of the general revelation of himself, which God has given us in the universe around us, but particularly in the special revelation of himself in his word. It's amazing to think that by reading the Bible we can read God's mind when we can't even read another human being's mind. The difference is God has given us his own spirit to live inside each and every true Christian believer and he is the one who inspired the Bible where we can read all that God wants us to know and indeed all that we need to know. In contrast to the view of the intellectual sceptic, it's the believer who knows more than they do in matters of faith. For this reason, which Paul states, because profanity can't understand holiness, but the godly can understand evil and wisely choose to avoid it.
2: General.
0: time is almost gone but i'll just mention the booklet which uh, as usual is uh, available to accompany this series and if you'd like a copy please write in asking for the title nothing but christ crucified be sure to let us have your postal address and uh, you can order by email or by post and here's our contact details so please uh, make a note search for truth hayes press the barn flaxlands Royal Wooten Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You might be interested to know that many titles of Search for Truth transcript booklets have been turned into ebooks and are available at amazon.co.uk forward slash Kindle hyphen ebooks. Just type search for truth series into the search box and there you'll find them. Thank you for being with us today. I hope you enjoyed the programme and I hope you can join us again next week for another study in this series. Until then, very best wishes from Brian, from David, our singers and me, John. Goodbye and may God richly bless you.